Tonight's show of sexual magic is brought to you by AdamandEve.com. Are you having some problems in the bedroom? Or maybe you just want to spice up your sex life. Go to AdamandEve.com and use the promo code DRINKINGBROS to get 50% off one purchase along with free shipping. Peruse the catalog with your loved one and see if anything interests you. At adamandeve.com. Promo code Drinking Bros gets you 50% off in free shipping. You're welcome. Also, hardafseltzer.com. Some of the finest, hardest seltzer in the land. It's 8%, so you know it's good. You'll be blacked out within an hour if you drink three of these. Or, if you're a real hombre, you can gun through a whole case. We ship right to your house in 41 states, and we're live in over 100 stores in Tennessee. Go to hardafseltzer.com today and check out the store locator. Let's start the fucking show. God knows your baby now. God knows honey baby now. All I can do for sea peace with you, I can't get along. I feel more worn out than a stepladder in a midget's kitchen as I ride up to my three-story log cabin. Remember, I'm really fucking rich, so this goddamn place looks like a Norman Rockwell painting having a menage with a river runs through it and Legends of the Fall. Even though it's enormous, I only put in 14 bedrooms to keep things tasteful. My legs feel wobbly when I dismount. I'm not sure if it's from the graphic sex I just had or the six-mile ride home from the bar. I lead my horse to the large, beautiful river that flows in front of my home. Drink, fucker. As he leans down to drink, I kneel down beside him and splash some water on my dick and balls to get the smell of pussy off me. When the sex water drifts downstream and reaches his snout, my horse smiles at me as if to say... You fucking son of a bitch. Why didn't you let me peek in the window? I'm a horse. They never would have suspected anything weird. I remember thinking to myself at the time, my steed and I are close. Maybe I should let him watch sometime. I've never lost wood before, and I've done some sick shit. I definitely wouldn't lose a boner just because a horse is in the room. From my back pocket, I pull out a handkerchief emblazoned with the initials SJSJ and 14 karat gold and wipe off my dong. Then I throw it in the water because I hate used shit. As I watch it float away, I see a huge, bright full moon reflecting off the water, smiling down. It winks at me, and we share a nice moment. I take my gun out of my holster and fire it into the air. Children! Your father is home! I lumbered toward the house with my sack full of gold. Upon walking in, I see my 32-year-old wife, Loretta, a tall, red-headed Irish woman with huge tits. Also staring up at me respectfully are my seven boys, all under the age of eight. Each one of them tightens his hungry fists, gripping forks and knives. They all begin chanting in unison. We want gold! We want gold! We want gold! Loretta smiles and shrugs her shoulders. What do you expect? They're starving. 
They've been waiting for you to get home. I can't be that late for dinner. What time is it? It's 2.30 in the morning. Oh, sorry. I thought this was one of those fallback time change days. She rolls her eyes and hands me a metal cheese grater. I pull a chunk of gold out and begin to lightly shred it over my boys' plates of meat and potatoes. They tear into their cold dinners like tiny Viking warriors. Satisfied that they've each got enough, I give the rest of my chunk of gold to my youngest, Bourbon Street James, who is one year old. He claps excitedly and puts it in his mouth, sucking on it. Exhausted, I pull up a chair and look down at the faces of my children. As a man, there's no bigger satisfaction than coming home with a huge sack full of gold every night and hearing the sounds of your children's teeth chomping through our country's best non-renewable resource. I kick my boots up on the table and light up a cigarette as Loretta brings me my ashtray that's made out of half a monkey skull that I won in a poker match in Reno. I'm not sure whose monkey it was. I just thought it would be a good conversation starter if we ever had people over. Taking a drag of my smoke, I watch Loretta walk back into the kitchen to clean dishes. I whistle at her, but she doesn't smile back. Big tits, can you draw me a hot bath after you're done in there? I'm exhausted from another long day of standing over my Chinaman and watching him dig my gold. She stares at me incredulously before replying, I'm going to have to boil like 48 pots of hot water to do that right now. Awesome. Thanks, doll. You're a lamb of God. I fire a pretend six-shooter at her with my fingers. As she storms off, I look over at my kids and ask, How was your day? My oldest son Daniel, who is almost eight, speaks up. It was so much... Rhetorical, I say, cutting him off. There's seven kids under the age of eight who go to a bullshit schoolhouse that holds 18 children total. All they learn is how to read and count in their fingers. Big fucking deal. After I finish my cigarette, boredom sets in, and I whistle for Loretta as I walk upstairs into the bedroom. (whistles) Bath time, Red. Let's start filling up those pots. I can't wash myself. When Loretta finally hobbles in 20 minutes later with two pots of boiling water, I'm already stark-ass naked, stretched out inside my personal clawfoot tub that is also made out of 14-karat gold. A large golden grizzly bear is mounted on the front of the tub, facing inward. Are you comfortable? She asks. Not really. Let's put a rush on that water, Ginge. I don't want it to be too hot, then too cold. You get it. She splashes both pots of semi-warm water on me and storms out. This goes on for the next hour or so until she finally limps in with the last two pots, her arms shaking from the effort. I stare at her like a nervous parent at the Special Olympics as she slowly walks over to the tub and pours them in. I clap for her when she finishes, then hold up a bar of soap and lean forward, pointing at my back. She drops to her knees and begins to scrub my back and genitals. On my jennies, I'm not talking about washing them from the front but from behind and up underneath the way God intended them to be scrubbed. Do you want to get in this tub with me? I ask Loretta. No, I just want to get some sleep. The kids have to be up in five hours and I'm exhausted. Jesus, you're a fucking downer. Now do you understand why I'm always late for dinner? You're always asking me to help with the kids, crying about your sister's polio, or asking me to send letters back to your family members in Ireland to see if they're still alive after the potato famine. 
I'm not a fucking postman or someone whose biggest fault is they listen too much. I'm a real fucking man who needs a power wash with those two. I point to her breasts. A power wash is when a woman with huge breasts soaps them up and washes you with them in a back-and-forth motion with enough power to kill a small elk. Is that all I am to you? She asked, choked up. Don't be so hard on yourself. You also cook and clean, too. It's nice to know that that's what you think of me. Loretta breaks down and starts to cry, so I rub her back with my hand, then expertly pop her bra off. Come on, Lou. Don't be like that. If you didn't clean me, I would be dirty as fuck. She shakes her head in disbelief at how awesome I am, giving me the old, this is the last time look as she slowly removes her top. Her breasts escape from her bra with the desperation of two Anne Franks, both wanting to see the outside world. I'm continuously amazed at how enormous her areolas are. They take up such a wide area of her breasts, it's like I'm seeing the tarp covering the infield during a rain delay at a ball game. Ever so delicately, she pulls down the rest of her dress, revealing an ass like a honey-glazed Christmas ham freshly cut down the center in an unbelievable bush. If you don't have enough club, you're going to have trouble making it to the green from that rough. She didn't say anything to me as she steps into the tub, her eyes entranced in a catatonic stare. I reach up and put my hand on her breasts. Do you not like this? I ask in a German accent, just because I can do one. I know where you've been tonight. Just do what you're gonna do. Shh. Once I get going, you'll forget about all the other women I've slept with and appreciate the new techniques I've learned. She finally shows a hint of a smile, acknowledging the fact that she's able to reach sexual heights with me that she could never achieve with another man. As she straddles me and begins to ride me, water splashes up over the sides of the tub and onto the floor. Her massive breasts have caused a tsunami-like current, creating the kind of deep curls that Kelly Slater deuces his wetsuit over. I whistle softly, inviting my steed over to peek into the window. He nods at me with appreciation for the heads-up as he trots over and sticks his head in. I was right. I'm definitely not losing wood over it. If anything, I've gained an extra inch. As much as I'm proud of myself at this moment, I'm even prouder of my dick, which has been through fucking war today. I let Loretta's slow ride continue for a few more minutes, but I'm already mentally planning my ground strategy. Why? Because I hate having sex in water. Having sex in water is like dry humping in buttonfly jeans. It's awkward, it hurts, and you can't feel anything. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, it's a decent hors d'oeuvre, like a bacon-wrapped plantain, but it's no awesome blossom when it comes to starter apps. If shit is going to get live, you need to do it on dry land so you can get some real traction. Feet, elbows, knees, any kind of grip. I squeeze her ass cheeks hard and lift her up out of the water, creating one last final tidal wave that pushes the rest of the bathwater out of the tub underneath the bedroom door. Hold my hand! I'm not gonna lose you in this! One of my kids screams out to the other children. The current's too strong! This is probably where we say goodbye! Another one answers. Shut the fuck up! We're making love in here, I scream. Hearing a child's voice during lovemaking would usually make most men lose an erection, but I'm not most men. 
I'm St. James Street, James, so I walk over to the closest full-length mirror in our bedroom to purposely catch a glimpse of myself wet and fully flexed, which fuels my fire. I'm cut like a fresh London broil after Sunday mass. Nothing gets me harder than being able to see myself during sex. When I rise up on my tiptoes three inches so I can see every last goddamn tendon in my calf muscles swell, Loretta becomes suspicious and I'm forced to turn my attention back toward her. There were still a few more poses I wanted to beast out, but that will have to wait for another day. Instead, I carry Loretta over to the bed as she holds out her arms. She braces them as if I'm going to drop her down aggressively, but I don't. Instead, I flip her upside down and go for the standing up 69. It's a move seldom used or even seen for that matter, and truthfully, I don't even know if I'm doing it for me or just to impress my horse. It requires so much upper body strength that hopefully it throws my wife off the trail of how much sex I actually had earlier. Who else could do this right now? Off the top of my head? Jesus or Zeus, maybe? (laughs) After that, I'm blanking. I'm putting Jesus in the same sentence as me out of respect, but truthfully, I don't see him bawling out like me. After 30 minutes of standing cunnilingus, I rotate her right side up and toss her backward onto the bed like a Romanian acrobat. We begin to make love passionately on the bed in the missionary position. By now, you probably noticed that I keep saying making love when referring to my wife. It's because she's my fucking wife, asshole, so I don't treat her the same as the other whores. My seven children came out of her vagina, all of them through natural childbirth, and I respect that shit. The least I can do is make love to her. After her second orgasm, I flip her over on top of me, cowgirl style. I leave the lanterns on in the room so I can see her huge natural tits swinging back and forth off her chest. With her on top, I can finally go full bone and get every single last inch in. As I thrust, I lean forward, slightly raising my upper body off the bed so my abdominal muscles can be on full display. Loretta deserves this. Nay, she needs this. Do you have any laundry you need to do? Otherwise, I'll put this washboard away. No, not yet. You better keep it out. She starts punching me in the stomach repeatedly as she keeps riding. I begin to do a series of mini ab crunches just because it feels right. After a clean set of 40 and two more orgasms had by her, it's time for me to climax. I've never been accused of being a selfish lover. Some might even say that I give too much of myself in the bedroom. So my orgasm is well-deserved at this point. It's time to downgrade this Cat 5 boner to a tropical storm. Make them spin like cows caught in a tornado, I say softly. She nods and leans back, rocking her ass back and forth on my dick, causing her tits to bang together like a wet seal clapping. It's times like these when I realize why I married her. She's always had the biggest tits in town, and every man hated that she married me. By the way, these are the exact thoughts that go through my mind every single time I climax. I also tend to think about revenge shit I'm going to do to other people. It's fucked up, but somehow it heightens my orgasms. Squeezing her apple-bottom ass, I arch my back and finally release. I'm achieving, I scream at the top of my lungs. As that simple two-word sentence flies out of the window and echoes across the land, I look over and lock eyes with my steed who stares at me with admiration. It's a moment of pure, utter bliss. 
Loretta crumbles on top of me and puts her head on my shoulder, looking at me like a lost puppy dressed as a wizard. St. James, I've been thinking about something a lot today. That you want me to build a separate house for the children to live in so we don't ever have to hear them and they can raise themselves? I'm cool with that. I can have a crew of builders out here tomorrow. What? No! Oh, then what is it? I was thinking we could get a cat. The kids really want one. Why the fuck would you even ask me shit like that? A cat? Not in this fucking lifetime. All of our kids would be sucking each other's dicks the second that goddamn thing arrived. Men don't have cats. I'm gonna go sleep in the barn with my steed. Thanks for ruining this moment. I pull my arm out from under her so fast that her head barely moves from the pillow. Still buck naked, I get up and grab my jeans off the floor, and jumping straight up in midair, I put them on both legs at a time. Using my foot, I grab my cowboy hat off the ground and flip it up onto my head as I leave. Loretta pulls the bedsheets up, covering herself as she quietly sobs. Just thought it would be nice, she says softly. After I slam the bedroom door and leave, I notice my feet are wet. Daniel! Get a mop and clean up this bathwater in the living room. It's fucking soaked. Not one great man in history has ever owned a cat. Therefore, my sons never will. This is why I love my steed more than anything in this world. He would never do some shit like this. Ever. That night, as I lie on the ground out in the barn with him curled up behind me, using his torso as my pillow, I dream of the first day I met him. I was a young boy, maybe seven or eight, when I first saw him standing on top of a diving platform at the Nevada State Fair. He must have been 12 stories up. There was this jack dick dressed in a tasseled cowboy outfit on top of him, rousing up the crowd with his 10-gallon hats. Who wants to see us jump into this unbelievably small pool of water below? He screamed at the cheering crowd. I sure as fuck didn't. That's when the horse and I locked eyes. I noticed his grace and beauty right away, plus I dug the fact that he wasn't afraid of heights. From that moment, I knew that he needed to be my steed. After that split second of eye contact, he sensed what he had to do. Kill the asshole riding him. Without warning, he leaped off the edge and did a triple backflip, throwing that fake wannabe cowboy off of him way out past the crowd. As all the people gasped in horror, that fringed asshole hit the ground with a collision so violent that his organs exploded out of his body. When the carnies rushed to attend to what was left of him, my steed climbed up out of the pool and strode over to me. No one even noticed us ride off together, and we've never been apart since. You tell me you've had a stronger relationship than that in your whole life, and I'll let you piss on my face sitting down. The warm sun shines down through the slats of the barn against the button of my jeans. It feels like my cock is being burned off and I jolt upright. I wipe my eyes and notice a half bottle of whiskey near me. I take a swig to get the engines going, then pull down my pants and take a shit in the stall where my horse shits. Hard clumps hit the hay right next to his pile. Daniel, come clean out the fucking stable. There's shit all over it. Damn it. Why is it always me, Dad? 
I stumble outside the barn and see four of my boys holding ladles, drinking out of a large trough full of water. Casually nudging them aside, I dunk my head in. Loretta comes running out of the house, screaming at me so loudly I can physically hear her underwater. St. James! That's the clean drinking water for the kids! God damn it, woman! It's not like we don't have an entire river that runs right in front of our fucking house! I'm going out for the day. I blow past her into the house, grabbing a shirt, my cowboy boots, and a large overstuffed saddlebag by the front door. My steed comes running out of the barn with his saddle already on. One of my middle kids is on all fours in front of me, so I use his back to step up onto my horse. Dad, I was playing jacks. My son says, You're welcome, buddy, I say as I begin to trot off. Looking back, I notice Daniel shaking his head as he shovels shit out of the barn. This fucking stinks, Dad, he says to me. I look at him and say, Tell you what, you go find some gold, then maybe you can come out and shit in the barn and tell someone else to clean it up. Deal. I salute everyone and ride off into the distance. It's days like these where I just need some time to myself to cool off and blow shit up. I need a fucking sweet dynamite montage. Hell, every man needs one. Riding through the forest, I bear down on my steed while expertly holding a lit match between my teeth, spotting my first targets. A beautiful set of ten baby Christmas trees. I grab a stick of dynamite from my saddlebag, light it, and throw it behind my back, no-look style. Yeah, I invented dynamite. Not that other dickbag who has a peace prize named after him. It wasn't that fucking hard to figure out how to dump a bunch of gunpowder into something and light it. The explosion uproots the trees and they crash to the ground. All I see is a few stumps smoldering as dirt clouds shoot high up into the air. Now that I'm in a rhythm, I see a large moose off to my left. I skyhook a lit stick over my head. Boom! That fucker explodes into a thousand pieces. Chunks of fur and blood are scattered all over the trees and my clothes. A set of moose teeth and one hoof are all that remain. Fuck yeah, I just did that, I say to myself out loud. After two hours of blowing shit up, I stop next to the river and jump down from my horse. I hear hunger pains from my steed, so I reach into my saddlebag and grab the last stick of dynamite. You hungry, buddy? He nods that he is. <laughs> okay, okay, stand back. I light the final stick and casually toss it into the river. Trout and salmon explode out of the water and rain down from the sky in front of him. Typically, horses don't eat fish, but mine has champagne taste just like I do. He grins with a look of satisfaction on his face as I bend down and drink out of the river, which has now resumed proper flow. With the water rushing over my lips, something washes up and sticks to the side of my face. I lift my head up and peel what feels like a wet cloth off my cheek. Looking closely, I notice it's my SJSJ handkerchief from last night, except now there's a little blood on it. What the fuck? I unholster my guns and turn upstream when all of a sudden, boom! The ground shakes beneath my feet, followed by men's laughter echoing down the mountain. My acute sense of hearing detects nine white males in their late 30s and early 40s, and one Asian male whose age is unknown because our calendar system is different. Boss, you reach, you reach, the Asian man screams. Son of a bitch. 
More laughter echoes louder. I know exactly what this means and it isn't good. Quickly, I holster back up and put my handkerchief in my pockets. For good measure, I also pull a small mango out of my saddlebag, make an incision in it, squeeze all the juice into my mouth, and snort a key bump of gunpowder. This concoction is known as the Standing Jonathan. It gives me strength throughout my quads and keeps my mind sharp in case I have to kill a large group of people at the same time. My friend Pete Newhouse, who dabbled in homosexuality, invented it. Pete died a couple years later fighting for what he believed in. Same-sex clothing for his wife. He always dressed her up like a dude and she killed him for it. After pounding my standing Jonathan, my mind is clearer than an albino's iris as I ride my steed toward the chaos and confusion. I wish this episode had a tripwire for that last line that way when you hear... Ride my steed through the chaos and confusion. Mozart's Requiem in D minor would kick in. Also, if a picture could pop out of me with a huge boner, that would be dope too. (laughs) I'll also settle for an illustration. Just saying.